Welcome back. We're in Genesis chapter 37. Let's go. Genesis chapter 37. Buckle up. It is about to get really good. 37.1. Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Okay, so we're... Got off of Jacob for a little bit. Talked about Esau, his descendants, the, the Edomites. The Edomites would end up hating the Israelites, which are the ones that came from Jacob. Remember, Esau and Jacob were twin brothers, and there was tension, there was deception, and it continued through the generations, which is why, as a Christ-centered person, you want to make amends today. You don't, you don't want to teach the next generation hatred and revenge and vengeance. God says, for uh, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. We do not want to take on that vengeance. That will give you a heart of anger, You'll harbor unforgiveness. I've seen it in people, and it eats them alive. It's the people who become, that anger just drives them to be bitter, and no one wants to be around them. You don't want to be that person. You want to be forgiving. If you can forgive, then you can find joy. If you cannot forgive, you will not find joy. One of the lessons that we learned there. Then it says in verse 2, this is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the land was the sons of Bilhan, the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report to them, of them to his father. So Joseph, all right, we're really going to start diving into this. Now, Joseph is a type of Jesus. You may have heard a term or you may hear me refer to it to others as typology. Typology is a type of, type of Christ, if you will. That's essentially what we're seeing here in the Old Testament with Joseph is a picture of Jesus, okay? About 25% of the book of Genesis is devoted to telling us about Joseph. Think about that. It's a huge book, and about a quarter of it is devoted to this. Contrast that with how little God time spent God telling us about creation, and how little time compared to this he spent talking about Abraham, right? Or even Jacob, uh, from whom the, came the 12 tribes of Israel. God cares about People. And so he spends more time talking about Joseph than like creation, for example. I mean, one way you can think about it is he cares a lot more about people and relationships than he does in redemption, than he does just nature. Yeah, he created nature, but he created us in his image. That's the difference between like us and animals and, you know, quote unquote nature and stuff. So let's take a look at some of this typology. We say Joseph was a type of Jesus. Let's look at some of these uh, types, as you will, some of these, as we would say, similarities or parallels. Joseph was hated. Jesus was hated. Joseph was loved by his father. Jesus was loved by his father, God the Father. Joseph confronted the sin of others, and Jesus did the same. Joseph was punished, punished unjustly. Jesus was punished unjustly. People later came to Joseph for bread. And people come to see that Jesus is the bread of life, the living water. Joseph was giving a, given a Gentile, non-Jewish bride. And Jesus is giving given a Gentile bride, otherwise known as the church, right? From Pentecost through the rapture, that collectively refers to the church. The church is not a building. It's a collection of people in that whole time period I just described. And we combined will be the bride of Christ. And we are Gentiles, right? There are Jewish people mixed in there too. But the, um, uh, the, the Jewish people of the Old Testament 
won't get to be the bride of Christ. They, God put them here for a purpose, and most of them failed. They didn't point to the Messiah. They didn't, they, they made all these rules, all these traditions, all these, you have to do this, you have to obey this, you have to blah, 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 kind of like the Catholic Church does, and all these rules. It's not about rules, it's about relationship. All right, so it says, Joseph was 17 years old, so that's important to note. He's 17. There's 12 sons of Jacob. He's the second youngest, and there's only one younger, his brother, Benjamin. Benjamin was not out with them at this time. All the other uh, others are mature, uh, let's just call them men, if you will, by, by how our society essentially defines it anyways, which is over 18. Um, so he, he's younger, right? And it says he was feeding the flock with his brothers. If we look at Luke 2.49, it says, And he said to them, Why do you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Well, his brothers, you know, he's, he's like, he, he does this tattletaling essentially on his brothers, and his brothers don't like that. <laughs> but what Jesus was saying, you know, I got to be about my, my father's business. I got I to do these things. And my father's going to know because I'm going to, report back to him, essentially. And because the end of this verse two, it says a bad report of them to his father. So he went and essentially told his dad about the stuff that was going on. If we take a look at Proverbs 9.10, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So we want to fear God. We don't want to fear men. We want to help hold our brothers and sisters accountable, right? That doesn't mean you go around looking for someone who does something wrong and sending a point to him and be like, look at you, you suck, or you're not a Christian, or you need to repent, right? It's lovingly confronting them and saying, hey, you know, maybe that language you just use isn't the most becoming of uh, someone who says they love Jesus. Maybe what you just did, you know, and help me, right? Hold me accountable. When you see me screw up, and you will, you know, give me a, give me a gentle nudge. Hold me accountable. Uh, if you see me really screw up, then, you know, come take me by the head, put me in a headlock, and, uh, you know, Set me straight. All right, verse three. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. What does that mean? Who's, it, who's Israel? You're thinking the nation, right? Well, Jacob, his name was changed to Israel after he wrestled with God. So you'll see the name actually in this uh, chapter kind of go back and forth between Jacob and Israel. Same person. We tend to think of Israel, the nation, um, because Jacob had 12 sons and Jacob's name was changed to Israel, and they got the 12 tribes of Israel. You get it. So that's what's going on here. And he loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. So there was something about having this son as he was getting old. And he also got to have um, Joseph and Benjamin with Rachel, who is no longer with them. She passed away. Um, so there's just something about Joseph that he, he really liked. And... <clears throat> Maybe because Joseph was honorable. If we look at Philippians uh, 4.8, we see it says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So perhaps he loved Joseph because he was the most honorable and lovely and kind and giving person of these other children. And when we see the character come out in these other children that we're going to learn about here shortly, it's kind of like, yeah, I get why Joseph, a.k.a. Israel, probably had an affinity uh, for Joseph more than you know, most of his children. 
So we'll, we'll, we'll see that coming out in a minute. And then it says, also he made him a tunic of many colors. So this is like a long robe, big sleeves. It was something special. His other children didn't have it. I don't care what it is. I've got five kids. You bring something home. I mean, it could be something from the dollar store. It could be a, you, you finish the paper towel roll and you got the little wooden thing or whatever, that brown thing on the inside, and you give that to one kid, the other kids are going to envy it. They're going to want it, right? So this was something that they wanted, and they were upset that he had it. They were jealous. And we have to watch our emotions in life because we can let jealousy get the best of us very quickly, right? We're like, ah, oh, that's so petty. It's just a robe. But think about it. Your kids, they fight over a paper towel holder roll or a box at Christmas, right? They all got these toys, and you spend all this money and time wrapping these toys and getting these toys and yet they end up fighting over one big box or something right and we do it as adults I mean we, we, the stupidest thing it may be like oh they've got some really cool shoes or boots or watch or something I really wish I had that right it's like who cares you, but we do this it's just the flesh that we live in we have to understand it we we want to recognize when we're doing it so that we can say that's so petty and stupid of me and worldly right? So that we can focus on heavenly things. Verse four, but when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. So this is jealousy. And remember, as a type of Christ, we're seeing Joseph was hated by his brothers and Jesus was hated by his, the people around him and also by his brothers, right? James, who ended up writing it uh, in the New Testament, he didn't even he he didn't even you know think that praise Jesus and think that he was God. He was like whatever, pro you you're God, whatever. And he's probably watching him over the years, and he's like, huh, he's probably actually a pretty cool guy, nice guy, kind, giving, loving, never yells at me, always gives me stuff, lets me go first. Hmm. And then after he died, he's like, oh wow, he really was God, right? So another type there. And we'll just read five and then we'll pick up on it tomorrow. Now, Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There they were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. Okay, so he's only 17 and he's basically telling his brothers that they're going to be bowing down to him at some point. Right? That's a hard thing to take. It's like, little bro, you know, pipe down. You know, one's like 26. He's like, look how stocked I am, how strong I am. I don't care who you are. And then you got the 32-year-old and the 20-year-old, whatever. And they're just like, little man, you better sit back down. But Joseph had a dream, and it wasn't a random dream like my dreams. Like, I have vivid, vivid dreams. So does my dad, so does my son, so does uh, one or one of my daughters, and the other one sometimes. But I'm talking extremely vivid, memorable, remember them in detail, but they're not from God, right? Most of my dreams are actually really bad dreams. I, I hate it. Um, but this is a dream from God, right? He sees this and he's like, huh, y'all are going to be bowing down to me. Probably doesn't understand it at this point, but really interesting. So we want to understand that as we're studying Joseph, we're looking at typology. We're, we're looking at a picture of the future Christ at this point, of the future Jesus, and the suffering, and the hatred, and the rejection, and then the redemption. We're going to get to that, and it's going to be fantastic. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending your son. I, 
I just can't believe that you created this world knowing that we were going to rebel, knowing that we would choose against you a lot of the time, that we would even say with our mouths, yes, we love you, but then our actions would show something different, that we would live so much for this world and so little for you, and yet you created us anyways. And on top of that, you sent your son to die for us and be killed by us. He was punished for our sins, and we thank you for that, Lord. Help us not to take that lightly. Help us to really understand what that means, and let it change us, not just be like, oh, this is a you know cool little moment I feel good about, but literally change us, Lord. I'm asking for change for everyone listening, myself included. In your amazing name, amen. This podcast brought to you in part by the Portfolio Protection Store, where smart investors go to protect their life savings from stock market losses. Visit our website to register for our webinar, theportfolioprotectionstore.com. The webinar is about portfolio protection and safe money ideas for ages 50 plus. Visit theportfolioprotectionstore.com. Located in Austin, Texas, license number 288-7886.